Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, welcome back to Civilized Barking, Zach Jackson. It is Super Bowl week. I'm sure you've got plans of some sort. Um, That's Sunday. This is Wednesday-ish or so. uh, Counting down to the final game of the year. And then we get it moving. Um, In Berea, they've moved on. Um, Draft meetings are going on. Almost two full weeks of... uh, draft meetings of bringing in the scouts who spend the year uh, across the country um, looking and searching and digging in. Um, they start going through, uh, you know, where the strengths are, who they like, who they need to know more of, um, getting ready for the combine, which is at the end of the month. Um, and that, and after that, they, you know, officially build a board and all that, but they really don't do that until they get the information, the medical information, the psychological information, some background on some guys um, that they want, you know. So, so right now they go through the meetings and they they decide who they need and want to know more about. They they kind of go through where the strengths are of this draft, and that helps formulate the free agency plan. Because if there's no say defensive tackles or whatever uh, position, then they need to concentrate that on free agency. We, we know the Browns are a win now team. We know they're going to spend every dime they can on proven players um, to try to extend this window and try to be as good as they can in, in 2024, and they should be. Uh, that said, they need to draft for the long term. They need to draft for the short, ter- short term. We saw all sorts of guys playing last year, and there's a chance that last year was a pretty good draft. You know, Dewan Jones, um, Cameron Mitchell, Cedric Tillman um, can become a part of this pass offense. You know, so we will see. Uh, how that goes. I was at the Senior Bowl last week. Andrew Barry was at the Senior Bowl last week. The Browns' normal contingent was there. Um, It's the premier all-star game. Uh, Underclassmen were invited formally this year, so there was a little more talent probably. And you saw there was probably a lot of talent in that Browns range, that back end of the second round, back end of the third round. We'll see what happens. So in a lot of cases, that's Barry's first look. Um, The other people involved, it's certainly not their first look, but you go down there, you do some business. Um, agents are there, and you know Barry's peers are there. Um, and then you get back to work. So that's where the Browns are. Um, I don't know that the staff is 100% done. Well, I know it's not because they haven't decided on on assistant or on offensive line coach. Um, I guess it's done if they end up hiring Scott Peters. We'll see what goes on there. I guess there's a small chance there could still be another change or addition after the Super Bowl. Uh, and based upon some some late movement in the college game. Um, but I think they feel confident in the guys that they brought in, and we'll see. Ken Dorsey's press conference was what it was. It's just not interesting. Uh, they won't answer the play-calling question, and that's what we want to know. So, um, look, on one hand, it's February. It's the downtime. We'll see. 
and this team, not even August and September, right? This is about a Browns team finding itself in November and December and gearing up for another run now that they've raised the bar, uh, you know, now that they've made the playoffs, now that they've shown they can win 11 games through adversity. Can they, can they win more? Can they win the division? Can they be a January force? But, you know, if Kevin Stefanski suddenly giving up the play calling, that is interesting. Um, there are layers to that. We'll see. I, I, I think Ken Dorsey's going to call the plays, and I find that strange. But I'm not sure on that. And again, I'm not jumping to any conclusion either way on that. Um, Thursday night is the NFL Honors Program. We expect Stefanski to win his second NFL Coach of the Year award. We expect Miles Garrett to win his first Defensive Player of the Year award. Joe Flacco is a finalist for Comeback Player of the Year. Um, you know, the, the odds markets say that's going to go to DeMar Hamlin, the PFWA. Award went to DeMar Hamlin. We will see there. Jim Schwartz is up for assistant coach of the year. I think he's a finalist. I don't expect him to win. But, you know, that's a big deal, whether the Browns win one or two or three, um, to be honored league-wide. They had a good year. And so I would just sum it up by saying this, guys. The Browns had a really good year, good enough that the end was disappointing. And if the end sets off alarm bells or concern, um, I get it to an extent. I, I, I share some of those. Uh, but they have finally raised the bar. They have continuity has helped. It has mattered. It should matter going forward. They've proven they have competent people in spots. They have a really good head coach. They have really good players. They have uh, permission from ownership and the long-term vision in that front office to spend, to attack, to go and do what they need to do right now to try to get there. So they're not there. They're not a top AFC team right now. But again, a part of that just, okay, we'll worry about being that in November and December. And part of that is we'll see. I mean, we know it's tied to this quarterback. We know it's tied to adding to this defense and, the, and this defense cleaning some things up and then, you know, trying to replicate some of those complete domination moments that they did when they beat the Niners, <laughs> right? I think it, the Niners had like minus seven yards in the third quarter or something in that game. And I know some guys were hurt, but um, – you know, Miles won a game himself, basically, in Indy to set to set the stage for the P.J. Walker heroics, unlikely heroes. Um, in that Baltimore game where Greg Newsom and Watson were the heroes, Miles completely took it over and set the stage for the defense to make the rallies that it did, the offense drove. So we'll see. The Browns, the Browns are really good that day. The Browns are bringing a good roster back. So um, we're going to continue to go through, and you can click around the site. We've already – started or are starting with the free agency stuff with touching on the draft stuff i got a couple cool stories um over the next few weeks diving into um, different ways of looking at where the browns are where they might be going with this um, i did an interview with andrew barry and mobile you can go at the senior bowl you can go and look um you know and obviously we were talking about the business of the day even though he's not really answering those questions and, and i get it but you know i thought he he provided some real insight on drafting for the future on developing plans um, for free agency and then going from there of, of what's realistic, what can we spend, what if this guy becomes available. So so that's kind of where that is. It, it is the quiet time. Um, outside of another coaching staff addition or change, I don't think that you'll hear anything um, news-wise um, until the combine, right? And even then, I'm not sure, you know, what – what there will be the last couple of years, there's been obvious cuts. Um, the Austin Hoopers and John Johnsons of the world, you know, I, I don't know that there's anyone here. They're going to bring back 
um, as many of their own guys as possible, but I don't know that there's anyone that's like a wow that, um, you know, if they, they, they make that move two weeks before free agency, like no one's going to get really wound up about Harrison Bryant or the punter or Jordan Elliott coming back. Right. I don't expect Zedaria Smith to go anywhere in the first wave of free agency, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, we have a guest today on the podcast. He is PGA golfer, Justin Lauer. This is a football podcast where we talk in golf. Well, uh, he's a big Browns fan, and I don't know Justin. Um, we are not close to the same age. He's young and spry and beautiful, and I'm old and disheveled. And I could keep going. But we grew up about three miles away from one another. And a long time ago in a Galaxy job far, far away, um, I covered Justin as a young guy who had gotten an exemption to the Memorial Tournament. That's Jack Nicholas's tournament in Columbus, in Dublin, the Columbus area. Um, it was a big shot for a kid out of Malone University, Malone College, I guess it probably was at the time, to get that chance. Um, I wrote about Justin's whole story. And um, here we go. Ten years later, he has gone the long way, gone the minor leagues, the Corn Ferry Tours, kind of like AAA baseball for golf. Um, I'm going to let him explain that better than I can because I'm, I'm a very casual golf watcher and fan. But um, I do track it. Right. And I remembered, obviously, that story in, in rooting for him because he's a local guy. Uh, just to make sure my locals are listening. It's about time I, I met a Lauer that was likable from Canal Fulton. But anyway, um, I've noticed a while ago that uh, he was following me on Twitter and I checked it out and I'm like, yeah, this is this is him. Like, I, I don't think he's reached a status where he has parody accounts, but maybe I don't know what you weirdos do online anyway. I thought that's cool because I know the name Justin Lauer. He he had a decent summer last year, um, played really well, and is it's picked up this year um, at the start of the PGA season. Anyway, I'm on the plane coming back from the Senior Bowl, and I'm reading about the golf tournament that's starting that day, and I don't see him on there. So I scroll and I send him a message, and I'm like, "Hey man, um, I know you don't know me." I don't expect you to remember me from 10 years ago, but I would love to have you on the podcast to talk Browns and Cleveland sports in your career one day. And like five minutes later, he was like, how about tomorrow? So we went back and forth. We did this um, interview last Friday, and I wanted to run it now because he's playing in the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is one of the cooler tournaments, um, even if you're already like rolling your eyes at golf. This is the fan-friendly tournament. This is hole 16 where yelling and drinking and screaming are encouraged um, and he's going to tell you how he's dressing there in Brown's gear. He's going to tell you about kind of his journey um, from not being a country club kid to making the PGA Tour. Uh, he's even going to share some insights on, on Cleveland sports and some other cool things he's done in addition to uh, just being on the PGA Tour. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. Again, we're, we're going to have a couple podcasts. Everybody's going to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday. Um, if there is news to react to on the coaching staff, or if there is an early transaction, uh, you know, we'll certainly re react into that. But like I said, I'm looking forward and I'm doing it as soon as I, I'm, I get this podcast sent in. Um, diving further into the free agents, to the possible ways to look here, um, to, you know, gathering up what the Browns have done in previous years um, to try to give us some guesses of how March is going to go. And it's going to be here quickly. March 11th is when the mad scramble for free agents starts. Uh, the combine starts on February 26th or 27th, something like that. So about three weeks from right now, right? Yeah, it's, it's Wednesday, February 7th. Anyway, uh, before the Super Bowl, let's watch some golf uh, and let's listen right now to Justin Lauer. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so as promised, uh, we bring in our special guest on today's Civilized Barking. His name is Justin Lauer. He's on the PGA Tour, and even though this was recorded a few days ago, um, he's teeing it up at the Waste Management in Phoenix right around the time you listen to this, hopefully. Um, So we're going to talk that. We're going to talk Browns and Cavs and and whatever else. But Justin, I was flying home from the Senior Bowl, and I was reading this article, and it said, um, the best way to grow your podcast is to capture that Route 93 audience. So... Uh, between me and you, it's, it's good to have you here, man. Thanks for coming on. No, absolutely, Zach. Thanks for having me. So, uh, waste management. Um, yeah, it's a party. It's and it's a hell of an event. Now, in the new structure, it's a really good event. Um, you played it last year, right? Like, how cool mm-hmm. is it? I mean, you, you're living a cool life right now, but how cool is this one in particular? No, it's really cool. It's just a different um, setting that we're not really used to. Um, just with 16 and everything and uh, the the kind of stadium set up and whatnot. And it, I mean, there's 18,000 people on one hole and it's, uh, it's very loud. It's uh, very obnoxious, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool for the game of golf. Yeah. So. You got to allow yourself to wonder what, or wonder, I guess, what, what might happen if you did ace that one, right? Oh, it, for sure. I mean, the first thing you see when you come in is, um, they have a plaque of the hole in ones on that hole. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of, you, you kind of can't help yourself, uh, how cool of a moment it would be if you actually did it. So, right. So what's more stressful teeing it up there or the players championship or, uh, being a Cleveland sports fan? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> depends on the year and the season, I guess. Um, I, I would say, I think Phoenix is harder than the players, um, just because they're on top of you. Uh, so 17 of the players are, they're kind of away from you and it's kind of more spread out. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not as nerve wracking. I, I found 17 or excuse me, 16 in Phoenix, pretty nerve wracking. Cause they're literally right on top of you and it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, but, and then the Cleveland sports fan, I don't even know where to start. So. <laughs> well, let, let me ask you, like, let's go back. Everybody kind of has a moment, right? Um, yeah. Being at a game, watching a game, having a jersey, like what when when did you know you were in um in Cleveland sports for life? Oh gosh. Uh maybe the 95 World Series, uh, even though I was only like six. Right, right. You were young. <laughs> um then. yeah, but I I it's weird. I remember a lot of that season. I used to have a tape. Um it was it was or yeah, like a VHS tape. I used to watch it over and over again. It was like a synopsis of that season. Um, 
And that, I mean, that team is probably my favorite team of all time, other than maybe the the fifteen sixteen Cavs. But um, uh, yeah, it's just I I don't know. It's just it, it's it's what was on TV when I grew up. My dad used to watch a lot of Cleveland sports, and um, yeah, it was just uh, yeah, I I just love it. I I just love the kind of the blue collar aspect of it. The the rowdiness of it and um, kind of the underdog mentality of it as well. So did the head get there to throw, throw on a first pitch yet? Uh, yeah. So 2018, I got to throw okay. one. Um, Carrasco was pitching that night. Um, and I, you know, I, I practiced earlier that day with my caddy, my caddy at the time had played baseball at um, Indiana. So we were at a tournament. The tournament was in Cleveland at Canterbury and um I, uh, we practiced earlier that day after we, after we got all our work done at the golf course. And he's like, yeah, you got nothing to worry about. And I get out there and they're like, yeah, you're going to be the fifth first pitch. And I was like the fifth. And they're like, yeah, there's four other people throwing. I was like, okay, that's fine. And three of these other people throwing were under the age of 12 and all over made it. They all made it to the plate. And I was like, okay, (laughs) Justin, you can't be the only one who doesn't throw it not throw it in the dirt so you have to <laughs> so i kind of lobbed it in there a little more than what i wanted but uh it may have been a strike someone may have sent it over the fence who knows so <laughs> all right so that that was when you were grinding on the corn ferry tour and trying to get um where you are now i want to get to that all that yeah. in a minute but yeah. um let's go way back when, when did you know that 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 golf was for you, whether, whether it was just like something you were going to do in high school or something you were good enough to pursue after high school or, you know, beat the guys older than you. When did you really start to have that kind of turning moment? Um, I, it's weird. I had like a couple of them. Um, so I played a lot of baseball growing up and then got hooked on golf as well. Uh, so when I was 12, um, I had to make a decision cause it was getting too hard on my parents going from golf tournament to baseball game. And uh, kind of, it was just, it was a lot of traveling, um, yeah. for two working parents and whatnot, just to, and whatnot. So, um, so I chose golf and, um, I had success on the junior level, kind of at a local, uh, never really like regional stuff, but I was, I was very good at kind of the local level. I'd, I'd play in some regional stuff and I would do okay, but I was never the best or anything like that. Um, and just kind of moved into high school golf and, um, like I, I traveled with the high school team in seventh and eighth grade. Um, I don't know how illegal or not illegal that is. Um, uh, I'm turning them in. I'm with, turning them in right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but um, no, it was. Uh, yeah, and I, I traveled with the team, and I, I, I definitely could have made the varsity as a seventh grader. I was, I was pretty good. And then um, we had a decent team my freshman year. We had, I think it was four seniors and two freshmen. And, uh, like we won our conference that year, I finished third in the MVP, MVP voting as a senior or as a freshman, excuse me. And, um, then I really started to kind of develop, um, made it to States my sophomore year, uh, won States my senior year. And, um, I, like, I always knew I wanted to play in college. I was kind of obsessed with the process of it all and like choosing your school and like where you wanted to go. Um, it, it, it didn't go how I imagined like at all. Um, I stayed very local, uh, and played at a very small school, but, um, uh, yeah, then as soon as I got comfortable in college, I, I kind of excelled in that as well. And then 
just kind of went on from there. So, you know, if you play college golf, you're really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. If you even get the chance on the Corn Ferry Tour and and those things, you're really, really good. But a lot of guys don't make it um, all the time. So outside of perseverance, you know, what allowed you to to be one who went through that grind and came out uh, with your PGA Tour card? You know, I just I've I've had a lot of support uh, in my career. And that's I mean, that that's probably the one. Um, the one major factor I've never had anyone say, you know what, this might be time to hang it up. Like, it's always like, Hey, keep going. Like you're so close. And like, um, like I made it to the corn Ferry tour for the first time in 2014. Um, did not play well. I only played 13 events and made five cuts. And, uh, then I, I went back to Q school. I did Q school six times. Um, so I've had my trials and tribulations with that. Um, but finally had a good a good year at Q School in 2017, uh, where I was able to have guaranteed starts on the Corn Ferry Tour. And then uh 2018, 19, 20, and then 21, I had uh good seasons on the Corn Ferry Tour where I kept my card and got in contention for PGA Tour cards and in contention to win. Um uh, just never could quite get over that leap. Like in 2018, I missed an eight footer that would have got me onto the PGA tour. And then 19 and 20 and 21, I had three solo second finishes where, um, two of those I had to lead going into the last round. So just like really small, but small opportunities that could have turned into something bigger and kind of propelled me. And then finally in 21, I was able to finally get my card and yeah. And now here we are. So you played your first memorial ten years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before <laughs> kind of crazy to think of, <laughs> right? Like it, what? And it's a it's a huge event then. It was it, it is now uh, maybe bigger based on the structure. I don't know, but like, can you even process what what your thought process now? What your thought process was then? Going, if I remember, you barely missed the cut. Yeah, I was. Um, I kind of I kind of had a hiccup there with like five holes to go, but I was right on the cut line. Um, uh, the course was a little easier back then. Uh, Jack has made it very hard now, but at that time it was only my second tour event. I had only played, I think three corn Ferry events at that time. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't really had much. Um, I, I, I like, I hadn't had much experience on that kind of level yet. And um, I, I, I guess I didn't realize back then the magnitude of that event. It's um, it's basically a major. Um, and the field is limited. It's not quite a full field. It's only 120 as opposed to 156. And then even this year, it's only like 75 guys. So it's even more, um, even more elite than what it was. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it at that point I was just trying to get learning experience. I played okay. Uh, for how nervous I was. I remember on the first hole, I missed like a two-footer for bogey and ended up making double. And I was just like, oh my God, I haven't missed a two-footer in like two years. Um, so it was just little things like that and whatnot. And then, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's completely, I have a completely different mentality now playing in that event uh, if I do happen to get in uh, yeah. than what I did. So. so I think you're a great example of this. I say to the kids all the time and unfortunately to to some of the other parents too, like, Guys, it's not a race to be the best 12-year-old or 14-year-old basketball player or golfer or no. baseball player, right? <laughs> like, if you're good and you want to work, like, eventually it will work out in a way for you, right? 
For sure. hundred percent. And I mean, and that includes whether you go to Malone or you go somewhere bigger, yeah. right? And and, mm-hmm. and kind of ride it out. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, you see it all the time. Like the, the kids who are the best growing up there, it's very rare that they're the best um, at the end. Um, obviously the ones that are, are the superstars of whatever sport they're in. Um, but uh, there are, there are such things as late bloomers and whatnot. And um you just kind of have to ride it out and see if you still have it. So, so speaking of superstars, um, you are active on Twitter. You don't tweet a ton. You're busy. No. I get it. But <laughs> last fall, you tweeted something like, um, so I just bladed a wedge in front of Tiger Woods. How's your day going? <laughs> <laughs> so tell, yeah. tell us that story. <laughs> so we're playing in uh, Mexico in uh, – uh, is it Port of? I think it's Port of Vallarta. It's uh, no, it's not. It's somewhere in Mexico that we went. It's a new event that just got established, and it was the first PGA Tour event on a Tiger Woods design course. And I'm out there playing a practice round. It's Tuesday, and um, so we're on a par five. I think it's the 13th hole, and it's got a weird like collection area behind the green. So we're trying to figure out if we do hit it in there, how do we get out of it? Um, and then there's like a huge backs up backstop on the green that if they put the pin in the back, you can use the slope to get it close and whatnot. And I'm kind of just sitting there kind of going over strategy and uh, this, these two carts pull up and uh, who gets out of the passenger seat of one as no one other than Tiger Woods. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, it's like, like I I've never met him. I've never been, um, I like, I've never really been in the vicinity of him or anything. Uh, I mean, he's my, he's one of the reasons I play like just growing up, uh, during his, uh, his prime, his era was, uh, my very formidable years and whatnot. And he made the game look so cool and so easy and it's still very cool, but it is not as easy as he made it look. Um, (laughs) and the follow-up to the story will uh, prove that. Um, so, I see him and he comes up onto the green and I'm standing maybe 20 feet from him. And I was like, Holy, like, Holy shit. Like he's actually here. Like, this is incredible. Like, and like, there's very rare, like you see like auras around people. I swear he has an aura around him. Like, it's just like, like you can, he's just like glowing. And I'm like, this is wild. So I'm like, okay, now I have a decision to make. Do I go up and introduce myself and say, hi, or do I go practice? I'm like, I'll go practice. He'll appreciate that. He's kind of got the Mamba mentality in him. Like, go, go practice a little bit. So I go, so I decided to go down in this collection area, which was just a mistake in the, just the first mistake in everything. And I'm like, okay, this is a lot deeper than what I thought. Um, this is a very difficult shot. So, but let's try it. If I pull it off, maybe he'll be like, Hey, that was impressive. And the first one I hit, I blade about 40 yards over the green and I'm pretty sure that he saw it. And I was like, yeah, that didn't work out. (laughs) at all how I thought it was going to. So let's go pick an easier shot and, and kind of recover from that as my caddy chases my ball down. So, um, and then he got in the cart, he got back in the cart, maybe three minutes later. So, so did you end up meeting him then? I I didn't, I, that was kind of the thing. I was like, I should have just went up and said hi to him. Cause I, that part never would have happened if I just went up and said hi. Um, but yeah, he was there throughout the week, but I mean, he's like, the guy has no privacy. I I don't envy that of him sure. at all. Like he he just lives, he lives in a bubble, and 
it's it's just kind of wild to see like yeah. how how crazy people go over him and the constant media around him and I that's the one part I I don't think I could deal with at all just but um but the other stuff like um being as talented as he is and and whatnot is would be pretty cool just my my goal is to just play nine holes with him one day I don't know if it would be um as educational as I think it would be or not, but um, I I just think it would be the coolest thing in the world. So I'm assuming you saw him at Firestone when you were a kid. Oh yeah. I was, I was there for the shot in the dark. I was there for a lot, a lot of the rounds that he played the 61, uh, the one time the, uh, uh, the shot on 16 um, where he hit the seven iron to like two feet. Um, I was in the stands right behind the green in the first row. I wasn't even sitting. I was standing like on the rail. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I've seen a lot of ti- I've, a lot of good golf shots from Tiger. So yeah. So I, I've never formally met him either, but he did dunk on me. I'm going to tell you this story. So it was <laughs> okay. the summer of 14. So I was covering all the superstars that summer. I was covering you Memorial. Yeah. And then in July, <laughs> I was um, that July. I was sent to Vegas where LeBron was holding his camp during the free agency. Okay. And it was nice. just like the wildest story of my career, right? And chasing yeah. him around. And then all of a sudden it comes out on Friday morning that he's coming back. Yep. So that would have been like July, around July 4th. Yeah, we were so, in, I, I remember where we were, sorry to interrupt, but we were no. in Salt Lake City and another uh, Cavs fan on the tour, he was a caddy. We saw each other like in passing and he was like 30 yards away from me. And he's like, he raises his arms. And he's like, he's coming back. And I was like, oh, my. like I played so bad that day. But I was like, that makes me feel so much better. This is amazing. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, continue. Sorry. No, no, that that's good. That's why I had you on. So now yeah. we fast forward to like end of July, early August, and he's playing Firestone. And I mean, he's over yeah. this, right? So yeah. Um, he's doing his press conference and you're right. He does have this aura about him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not nervous, nervous, but I'm going to ask him about LeBron, right? They're both gods. Yeah. They're both Nike. I know they know each other. They had the same birthday, I believe. Yeah. Um, so we're in this press conference and here comes Tiger. And like I said, the room is just has a different feeling and it's already awkward because you have the old guard golf media who are such pricks to everyone else. That's just there doing their local job. <laughs> you guys can't see Justin's face, but he's laughing. <laughs> oh, anyway. So I asked Tiger something and, and I, I do what reporters do and I stumble through and it's longer than it should be, but it's something like, Hey, you know, you've owned this place and you know him and LeBron's back. Do you feel that? And he looks at me and he goes, who? And I oh go, LeBron. And he just lights up and I have never felt like a, bigger dumbass in my life. And so <laughs> that to me is the coolest story because who really, how many people really been dunked on by Tiger Woods? I am one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that is pretty cool. I, I have heard he does that to the media. Like he'll just, yeah. He, he waits that, just that extra second just to yeah. kind of needle at you. So sure. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so like what's next for you, Justin, and obviously not, not Phoenix, but like, what do you consider the next step in your career? Right. As we speak here, you have one top five, you know, you, you went through the up and down grind of barely missing your card and then barely getting it. So what's next for you in terms of, of, of success? Yeah, just, uh, more consistency, uh, more of those top five finishes, top tens, top tens are usually a good, uh, a measurement of how you're doing and how you do when you get relatively in contention, I guess. Um, golf is just such a weird sport compared to everything else. Like, like football, it all happens in 
a matter of four hours and then that's it. Like there's a winning team, losing team, like golf. It's, it's week in week out. We have four days of competition. The first competition is just making the cut just to make sure you get paid on, on the weekend. And then if you're in contention, uh, that's a whole nother thing. Cause you have like, you can sleep on leads and whatnot. And like, obviously like baseball and basketball, they sleep on leads like series leads and whatnot. So it's a little bit, there's some similarities there, but uh, yeah, for me, it's just being in contention more um, and not being so close to keeping my card. Like I've kept my card the past two years. Um, the one was kind of has, has an asterisk on it. Um, I, I basically kept it because of the live tour um, and and the guys leaving for live. I was, I was propelled up uh, number wise into the top 125, and it was, I was able to keep my card that way. And then, uh, this past year, I finished uh, 100 on the on the on the points list. So I, would, I kept my card. Um, it got a little stressful toward the end, but I was never really uh, that close to losing it. Um, and then this year, uh, they've changed the whole structure. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on the whole structure and how they've changed it. But uh, yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but no, but uh, yeah, just changing it and just staying in that 125 and just making sure I'm eligible to play. But I, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to win. Um, I feel like I'm taking strides like physically and mentally, uh, to where I can win. Uh, it's just a matter the the thing is like, it, it's like, it's not a normal sport. There's 156 players and you have to beat 155 of them just to win. Um, right. so that's, that's kind of the hard part of it, yeah. uh, every week. So, but yeah, like just going back to the, the consistency and just making more cuts and being in contention more and that, I think that was, that would be more success for me i'm not a i'm not a world beater on my level at, at all i i do think i could be one day but i'd have to improve in some areas pretty drastically so so i, I want to ask you this because as i've gotten a little more into golf i've realized this you, you mentioned sleeping on a lead being real um i'm sure that getting paired with certain guys is real too because so can you just talk about the psychological if you are paired with the big boys or if you did shoot 64 one day and now you're in one of those yeah. last groups on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, I slept on one lead. Um, it was, uh, the Fortinet championship, which is in Napa. It was in, uh, it was the first, first, um, tournament of the 22, 23 season. So this season that we just finished, um, uh, yeah, I, I had a lead. I had a one shot lead over Max Homa and Danny Willett. Uh, and Max was the defending champion and Max has obviously yeah. become a superstar in the game. So um, just kind of being around Max that day and uh, he ended up winning that day and just kind of seeing him get it done. That was that that's the kind of that's where I learned the most is seeing seeing guys get it done. That's that's the uh, that's where I learned the most and just seeing how they react. And he, he didn't have the lead at all until the last hole, which is just kind of wild. Um, a lot of things happened. Danny Willett had the lead and then he kind of, it, it was a, a wild last like 10 minutes um, <laughs> uh, just to equate it to basketball or anything like that, or football. It'd be like, uh, it'd be like if the Steelers had like a, a two touchdown lead with four minutes to go and the Browns go down. They drive the length of the field, 80 yards. They score a touchdown. They get a two point conversion. Then they get an onside kick and, uh, but they somehow don't score on that possession. Then the, then the Steelers throw like a pick onto like the, 
let's say the the Steelers 30 and then the Browns somehow uh throw a Hail Mary from 35 yards and uh Amari catches it in the end zone or something okay. like that. So um <laughs> uh but yeah uh but then you get paired with like the other um you get paired with the superstars of the game and it's uh it's different because the crowds get bigger uh there's all of a sudden like three to four cameras following the whole time and uh yeah it's it's different for sure but yeah it, well, it's I'm, fun yeah i'm thinking you picked the right sport because you mentioned amari you know he's awesome still but he's going to yeah. his age 30 season right yeah um, nick chubb's 28 and it's like oh we can't bring him back for that money yeah so at 34 you're getting better you feel like you're in a good spot I, I do. Yeah. Um, that's th- another thing about golf, not being a normal sport. You can, um, you can kind of excel with everything. And if you take care of yourself and stay healthy, uh, you definitely don't have the, um, you don't definitely, you definitely don't have the the wear and tear, uh, as much as, as long as you take care of yourself. And that's, that's the other part of our game that's grown a lot is the recovery and the, uh, the physical working out process and whatnot and the, the speed training and everything. And I could, I could go on and on, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I've, I've started to take care of my body more and, um, being, being a little more aware of what I eat and how I take care of myself and the recovery process and stuff like that. So, uh, no, I, I do feel like I'm in a good spot for sure. So the state of professional golf is, is kind of weird and it's changed a ton in the last two years, obviously, because of live and, and some other factors. But do you feel like yeah. the game itself in, in including professional golf, I feel like it's more popular than ever. Maybe it's my age demographic. Maybe it's that I'm more into it. But do you feel like that, that golf is more popular than ever? I I do. Um, and I I don't live maybe a, um, a benefit of that just to uh, cause controversy. People tend to move toward controversy and they tend to, I mean, it gives, it gives you guys in the media more stuff to write about. It gives just kind of everything. Do I think live is good for the game overall? Eh, maybe, maybe not. There's a whole, this is a whole yeah, uh, sure. rabbit hole you can go down into, but, um, but I, I do think the state of the game is uh, very strong. Um, the, the part that I, I kind of don't like seeing is, um, uh, I mean, and this is kind of a deep, uh, part of it um but the shutting down of like local public golf courses kind of the mom and pop golf courses they're yeah. uh they just kind of can't stay afloat and the, the the way it is and whatnot and the ones that do stay up um you can barely go play them because they're so crowded um so it's becoming sadly more of like a country club aspect um to it um but uh and I, I'm, I, I, even though I belong to uh, two country clubs, I'm not a country club kid at all. Yeah. Uh, I grew up on a very public golf course. Um, I don't like one the, of the best, the by of, the way. To shout I, it out, I did. Yes, yeah. <laughs> shout out Lions Den. Yeah, um, right off of '93 and '21 there. But um, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I don't like the um, the shut off aspect of country club golf at all. I don't think it's um, fair and whatnot but mm-hmm. um but that's like i said a whole nother rabbit hole that we could yeah. do probably three other podcasts on but well right and, and maybe well you've been awesome just a couple things here as we yeah. get out of here um yeah. one of the reasons that i feel like it's more popular and i feel like i'm right um you know gambling is legal in half the country yes. now and and daily fantasy golf um you know justin i'm a nerd i was playing fantasy football at 11 years old 
Okay. You know, yeah. Even 10 years ago, if you just said you're going to be playing fantasy golf, I'd have been like, no, I'm not that big of a nerd. You know, now <laughs> I'm texting my friends, hey, they're in Detroit this week. That's Midwest golf. Let's have Justin Lauer on our team. Right. Yeah. So um, have you had any negative experiences? I'm sure you have, unfortunately. And just kind of as someone who's in it, what are your thoughts on on uh, gambling and fantasy helping to grow the game? Uh, no, I think to grow the game, I think it's um, I'm surprised they didn't take advantage of it earlier. And and when I say they, I mean the tour and whatnot and making it like part of their part of their brand and part of our brand and whatnot. And um, no, I've had some negative um, aspects to it, but I think everyone has that. I think it's just with golf, it's a little more personable, um, mm-hmm. which which kind of sucks, but um, it's just kind of the way it is. But um, I do think it is it is a cool part of the game. Um, I do think you have to be careful with it, though. It, it could get out of hand. And you saw it in a, in a celebrity event of all things with, um, uh, what is the tennis player's name? Uh, Marty Fish, excuse me. He um, Someone yelled in his swing because they had a bet against him because they didn't want him to win a celebrity tournament. Absurd. And, yeah, yeah, it is absurd, and God forbid that happens to someone at a uh, PGA Tour event. I don't, it hasn't happened yet, but I it it takes one person to mess it up. So, um, sure and and you know what? In the scheme of things, I don't think uh, I don't think the tour would care about it. I think they would release something about it, but in the end, like, hey, there's another tournament next week. Sadly, that's kind of the way they think. Um, and, um, that's just kind of the way it is. But, uh, overall, I do think it is good for the game. It grows the game. It gets more people involved with the game. Um, the only thing I just can't stand about it are the uned, the uneducated fans about it. That's the part that just irks me. Um, but, uh, other than that, I'm perfectly fine with it. So. All right. So, um, the Cavs are hot. Um, I'm looking forward to the football's winding down to be able to catch up on them. And then obviously I'm spending about 360 days a year on the Browns in the playoffs. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Browns uh, as we get out of here? Yeah, just the injuries, just, uh, the in, yeah, I, I honestly thought after, was it the, the road game in Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, where they had that come, oh, it was awesome. I was in, we were in Bermuda watching it, um, <laughs> And there's there's one sports bar in Bermuda that we all kind of flock to after after play is over on Sunday. And they had the Browns game on. And there's me and another caddy that are huge Browns fans. And we're watching and we are going nuts. And everyone else just doesn't care. And but we're uh it was amazing just yeah. watching that comeback. But then Deshaun doesn't he played what he played one more series after that before he got hurt. Yeah, he got um, hurt in that game. Yeah, he finished the game oh, in that yeah, for the in that game. Yeah. yeah. So and then, like the whole thing with PJ Tucker playing, and he's just—I mean, I'm sure he's an amazing quarterback, but he's just not—he's just—he just doesn't have it. And then Flacco comes in, and he just looks like Flacco of old, and it's amazing. And are we going to build a statue of him in Cleveland, even though he played like six games and won a Super Bowl with us? Like, um, <laughs> and then and then we get outed by the by CJ Stroud, who's a Buckeye and all that. So I. Like you kind of have the the conflict yeah. of interest with that and everything, but um, I mean, he had a hell of a year. He should be rookie of the year, in my opinion. But um, uh, yeah, just with the Browns and everything, I I just wish we could stay healthy. Just it's God, it's so frustrating. But uh, <laughs> we'll see but other than that, yeah, just stay healthy. Maybe get one star wide receiver who's not old. Um, but other than that, I think we're 
still looking pretty good. I hope Chubb comes back. He's my favorite football player of all time. I hope he comes back somewhat healthy and has a decent showing, but you never know. So. No, you don't. They would like that. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, the contract was structured to where there was going to be an awkward decision this year, even if he yep. wasn't hurt. But yeah, yeah, everyone's rooting for Nick Chubb. And they know not just from a PR standpoint, they don't want to lose Nick Chubb either. They want Nick Chubb to be here for the good times because he's been through so many bad times. So we will see. He yeah. is the ultimate football player. That's for sure. He's such a cool guy, too. Just like he's never in the media. He doesn't say anything stupid. He just, oh, it's incredible. He just stays I, home and listens to this podcast, Justin. He's just a yeah. lucky guy. <laughs> hey, that's perfect. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, thanks a lot. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I do have one thing to say. Um, next week in Phoenix. So on 16, a lot of guys wear jerseys and everything. Just So just a sneak peek. I may be throwing a Browns jersey in there and then maybe the 24 jersey. So. Okay. Well, that'll uh, be really yeah. cool. And yeah. you get that ace, I'll be slamming beers right here in my house for you. So. <laughs> that would be, yeah, if I did it with that jersey on, that would be, I'd probably just walk off right there. So <laughs> that'd yeah. be a good way to go out. He's Justin Lauer. Yeah. He's been an awesome guest and we wish him luck in Phoenix and beyond. Thank you guys for listening, reading all of that stuff. Uh, subscribe if you haven't. The combine's about three weeks away. This has been Civilized Barking and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>